0: Today on the Province Cryer Podcast, we'll take a deep dive into PC's massive, massive win over the Villanova Wildcats last Saturday, 58-54 at the Wells Fargo Center, and then we'll take a look at the Friars' last two games of the regular season. Um, We'll do a little bubble talk, whether you like it or not, as the Friars look to continue their march towards a sixth NCAA tournament appearance in the last seven years. Alright, let's eat.
1: Men up in my city on the roof, yeah. They've took when I'm way above
0: the Providence College Friars. Top for the crossover. The, <laughs> oh, the big eats. <laughs> The rest of the college hoops Roger world.
1: Setting the screen, Dunn, this one this in.
0: is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself.
1: Mike Surrett. Man up in my on the...
0: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pro- Providence Crier podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surret, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that is at Providence Crier, as well as read the blog, that's theprovidencecrier.wordpress.com. Today is Monday, March 4th, and we finally made it, everybody. It is March, I am super amped up and pretty much all Firetown should be pretty amped up after what transpired on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Um, You know, going into the game, we we knew with three games left, the idea was PC would need to take two of three um, and then maybe win a game in the Big East tournament to um, have themselves comfortably be in the field Of 68 when the NCAA tournament rolls around and so I I think a lot of people assumed that we would either get um, that we would lose the Villanova game and then hold serve at home and then hopefully win a Big East tournament game uh, to put a bow on what would be an outrageous comeback story for the Providence Fires from where they were at the beginning of the season Nobody thought this team would be, some thought the team wouldn't even make the NIT, okay? Um, let alone do what they're in position to do at this point, and that would be, you know, potentially comfortably make the dance, like, without any issues going to selection Sunday, which is a miracle. But, um, so yeah, I mean, I think everyone's thought process was they would lose the Nova game, win the next two, but... That was not the case. Um, The Friars, they get the 58-54 win over number 12 Villanova. Another quad one uh, win under their belt. And, man, this team is rolling. Um, Going into the game, you know, if you listen to the last podcast, I was really worried about if Cooley would try again at beating Novo by grinding it out, slow-paced game, you know, defensive first, uh, be physical and all that stuff like he tried in the first game, which, you know, the Friars lost that game by four points. But, I mean, when if they try to make the game sloppy, they're going to play sloppy offensively. And, you know, that's why I was nervous that if Cooley would go back to the well again and, and try and grind out this game, it just wouldn't be successful. You look at Villanova, going into that game, they were 15 and 0 when holding an opponent under 70 points, and with the way the offense was going, my thinking was um, that they would just, you know, try and pick up the pace a little bit, move the ball like they've been moving the ball, um, and you know, play a better brand of offense that they've shown in the previous four games. And Cooley decided to go against the Cryers' wishes, and he went back to the well, and by God, did it work. Um, Unbelievable. And really, it's credit to the defense. The defense, you know, in the first outing was solid, and, you know, I thought Nova kind of gave the Friars every opportunity to win that game at the Duncan Center back in January. Um, I, I just felt like, you know, that defense was solid. This defense was just outstanding. Um, they, they get out rebound. They do out rebound Nova, but only by plus one, um, even though they end up losing the offensive uh battle by three. Um, they were still able to out rebound Nova by one, but really the story was the on ball defense and the perimeter defense. Um, Villanova shoots. Thirty-five percent from the floor on twenty of uh, fifty-seven, as well as a staggering five of thirty from downtown. Um, that is sixteen point seven percent. That's horrific. And well, I, I think Nova missed some shots in this one that they'd normally make. For the most part, it was stellar defense. And the Friars really put the clamps down. Did a really good job rotating around the perimeter. Um, played some man, mix in some zone as well. Um, it, just an excellent uh, game by uh, defensive game plan by the Friars to really get Nova out of their rhythm. Um, it's one thing to play a grinded out game, but you gotta really disrupt your opponent's rhythm if you want to do that. And the Friars were able to do that against a Nova team. Like I said going in, they have a lot of options, and I personally think this Nova team, while not as good as prior Nova teams that won it all, I think this team has the talent to win it all in this basketball season. I mean, in most, I would think they would be outmatched, but given that this year is so up in the air and the only consensus team... That people think can win a national title is Kansas, and guess what? Villanova beat Kansas. So, um, I think they have the talent to make a deep run in the tournament. But so so credit the Friars' defense, like unbelievable. Um, Nova ends up outshooting PC by nine, and that was due to the fact that we did turn the ball over more, uh, as well as losing on the offensive glass, giving Nova extra possessions. Um, Nova was able to outshoot us by by nine shots, yet we held all the percentages. Um, you know they end up outshooting Nova by a slight margin. It's not even worth mentioning. They were p- pretty much neck and neck from the floor, but the major difference was PC was able to shoot thirty eight and a half percent from deep uh, compared to Nova's sixteen. So um, for them, the defense allowed. Our offense to to, you know while it wasn't a great effort by the offense we made enough shots in the end to beat them because our defense was was that good. Um, Also, uh, another aspect of the game in terms of grinding it out was the Friars were able to show their physicality. They were able to get to the line and attack the basket and be aggressive. Um, PC gets the line for twenty five times. They go nineteen of twenty five. Compared to Nova, who only gets there 18 times, and what do they do? They go 9 of 18 from the free-throw line. Um, That is not customary of a typical uh, Jay Wright coach basketball team. But credit the Friars. I mean, obviously some of those fouls are because Nova's intentionally fouling at the end of the game. But um, I thought for the most part, a handful of the Friars were in attack mode um, and, and wanted to to get to the line, and it showed in the numbers. But, you know, as good as the defense was, though, this game was all about Pipkins. He was unreal once again. Pours in 27 points on 7 of 13 shooting, so he was super efficient, 4 of 8 from deep, um, and, and he gets to the line 10 times. And he makes 9 out of 10. So, Pipkins with another monster game, but before we, like, really break down how great he was, I do want to give credit to Malik White. Um, I thought he played a fantastic game in this one as well. He had 15 points on four of eight, uh, one of two from deep. He was that guy that, in terms of what I'm talking about, being in attack mode, uh, he was cutting to the basket, driving hard of the hoop, and, you know, he was rewarded for that w- with 15 points. Um and then his three-point stroke has been struggling of late, and I've been hard on him for it. But in this game, he didn't force any unnecessary threes. He only took two, and he nailed one of them. So great game for Malik. Um, I thought he also made some clutch free throws. And, yes, I know he did miss uh, two in one trip with, like, two minutes left. And then Neville was immediately able to answer and cut it back down to two. I know he missed those, but he was able to hit – two later in the game to seal it, so I mean, I I thought he made some clutch free throws in that game, and his effort uh, cannot go unnoticed, because outside of Pipkins, he he was it, um, in terms of the Friars offense, but Pipkins, man, like, talk about a guy that's totally transformed his game in a matter of weeks. Um, I've been saying all year, he needs to drive to the hoop more, and try and create space within the three-point line uh, to make jumpers and, you know, he needs to get to the line and and finish in traffic and all that. And then that will allow him to hit his threes and he doesn't always have to go hunting for them. Um, And for whatever reason it was, he just wasn't able to do that all year long until now finally. um, He seems to have seen the light and he's paying off huge dividends for the Friars um, you know, this team was was always a team that was going to compete with you no matter what because of their uh, defensive tenacity, their athleticism, their length, but now you add in the dimension of a scoring guard like Pipkins, like, who knows what the, what the fire ceiling is at this point, to be honest. Um, he was just money, you know, starting off the game, and it wasn't like he just exploded late. Um, he started off hot, you know? He, he scores five of PC's first 10 points as they build a 10-1 to lead uh, to start the game. He ends up finishing with 13 on the half. And, you know, some of my buddies were kind of getting on Ed about um, his lineup choice towards, like, the middle portion, middle-to-end portion of the first half. Um, you know, Nova ends up getting right back into the game. But... Um, you know, in my opinion, this game was never going to be easy. I mean, like, well, what would you expect? Like, Villanova's a really good team, playing at home, where this year they haven't been as great, but they're normally really good at home, uh, normally really good in this conference. Um, and they are good in this conference, but um, you're playing a tough team with a great coach like Jay Wright. Like, I knew they weren't going to just give in and the fires going to run all over them in their barn. Like, no way. Um... And even with the lineup situation, it didn't even end up mattering because they end up leading uh, at the half by, like, 12 or 13. So it was kind of a wash, if you think about it. But, um, you know, Pipkins was good early on. Like I said, 13 points in the first half. But really, his bread was buttered in the second half when it mattered most. Um, You know, Friars were up 41 to 29 with about 12 minutes left in the game. And the typical Friars that we've seen in a lot of the early portion of the season, just their offense goes ice cold. Um, they go to the next six minutes of game time scoring three points. And it allows Nova right back in the game. And by the four-minute mark, Nova has a score down, down to, to uh, one possession, two points. So uh, the offense goes cold. Nova goes gets back into it and you think, oh no, here we go. like we're clinging on to this lead uh, like holding on for bear, uh, for our lives here and you're thinking oh, they're not gonna be able to get get out of this like Nova's got all the momentum um, they're starting to score. we're not able to score so you know they're gonna end up choking this. but Pipkins had other ideas. He just goes to work. In the final four minutes of this game, Um, you know, up to three minutes left, he gets the ball, creates a little space for himself off Slater. Slater's a little slow to get back, and he drills a 17 foot jumper um, to put him back up four. Um, You know, Robinson Earl will end up answering with a dunk, and then he's got the ball with a minute 30 left. Gillespie on him. Shot clock winding down. He just puts Gillespie Gillespie on his ass with a spin move. Gillespie's on skates. He falls over. Pipkins with the fadeaway jumper. As the shot clock expires, drills it. Puts him back up four. And then after that, it was pretty much a free throw battle. And, you know, he had a few of them of his own. And the Friars come out with the victory. 58-54. Pipkins was just magnificent with his 27 points. And on a night where Diallo wasn't good at all, David Duke, while well, he was great defensively, didn't give you much offensively. A.J. Reeves didn't even play much. Um, there, there were questions about whether or not he was hurt. But uh, apparently Cooley said he, he's all right. But, um, you know, he didn't play much. Um, Nate Watson, although he had a massive game, uh, against Nelvin the first time out. He wasn't as good this game. He only had five points. He did get six rebounds, but he ends up fouling out. So, I mean, there, like I said, it was really Malik White was the only other friar to really put their stamp offensively on this game. And Pipkins just put the team on his back and just carried them to his win. So, I mean, I'm ecstatic. I was in Worcester watching the game. My high school buddies, a lot of them like to give me shit because I care too much about this basketball team. So they'll playfully root for the other team. And, of course, you know, they're saying to me, oh, the game's over. They're up 12 with, like, 10 minutes left. I'm like, "Well, guys, you've never really watched the Friars. Like, they blow the stuff all the time. And sure enough, they make it interesting, but they find a way to grind it out. And, man, what a massive, massive win because – Not only were you talking about the Friars as a team going to that game, that was some had on the first four in, some had on the first four out. They win that game, and now, in a lot of projections, they're a nine seed. So, um, a massive, massive win caps off a massive month for the Friars. They beat five ranked teams in a calendar month. And it was February. Granted, it was a leap year, and they had to get the fifth win on uh, the 29th. But,. to get five top 25 victories in a calendar month, that only happened five times in college basketball history. Think about that. That is insane. And the Friars are up there with like the blue bloods of like Kansas and Kentucky or Duke or whoever it was. But only four teams were able to accomplish such a feat before you did it. And you needed to do it. Otherwise, you would have no chance of being in the tournament. Um... The Friars need to pull a miracle, and so far, it certainly appears like they have. But, I'm not going to get too excited, because the work is not done yet, and that work starts on Wednesday, Wednesday night, PC hosting, Xavier, early tip, 630, Um, we'll take a deep look into that game, but before we do, a word from our sponsors at Anchor. Alright, welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. So yeah, obviously the win versus Villanova is massive, massive in terms of uh, the Friars trying to get an at-large bid for the NCAA Tournament, but like I said before going to break, the job is not done. Um, You know, the Friars still have two more games here at home Wednesday night, 6.30 tip against Xavier and they'll finish it off Saturday as well at the dunk, 6.30 tip, senior night, both games on FS1. Um, So they have two games left, and they definitely want to finish strong. Um, Like I was saying earlier, uh, when PC got the win, they went from first four in to first four out area all the way to some having them at a nine seed. And that's great, you know, when it happens, but you look at this bubble and, you know, a lot of results also happen with PC's big win um, against Nova. I mean, if you just look at Saturday alone, um, there were several upsets, um, some of which, you know, teams maybe aren't on the actual bubble, but um, you just look at Saturday, for example, TCU beats number two Baylor, Clemson Beats uh, number six FSU at, at the buzzer, I believe it was. Virginia ends up holding on at home versus number seven Duke. Uh, Oklahoma gets a win over ranked West Virginia. Texas on the road gets a win uh, at ranked Texas Tech. Shock is smart, and, and those guys are starting to play a lot better from the time that we saw them earlier in the season. And they're making a run. So, I mean, while it's great that the Friars scored a massive upset on Saturday, I mean, there are other games around the country being played. And you look at a lot of these bubble teams especially, and these guys aren't just going to just, you know, give you their spot in the dance. So the Friars have to earn it. I mean, these teams aren't just going to roll over. And the problem is, especially with these teams in the major conferences, there's always a chance for... Um, a big win to happen. Um, You look at the bubble teams I'm recording tonight on Tuesday, for example. You look at some of the results from today. Rutgers, they end up demolishing number nine Maryland at home. Um, I I think Rutgers, I like Rutgers. I I think they're overrated um, because of the fact that they literally cannot win outside of the rack. Um, They have this great insane record at home and they've beat a handful of ranked teams this season, but they haven't been able to do anything on the road, like jack shit I believe they have one win on the road Um, but you know, you look at them now they have 19 wins, so uh, in a great big Ten. so I I think that might have punched their ticket Um, you look at Purdue they just, you know, from start to finish, put a hurting on Iowa they end up winning by like 10 or something like that Um, you know, they probably are more on the outside of the bubble, but that win puts them right back in a conversation, uh, Tennessee, the volunteers, I have no idea what their bubble situation is, but they end up being down by 17 points to Kentucky at Rupp Arena and they come back and, and, and get a win. So, um, you know, you look again that, that Texas, I said, Texas got an upset over Texas Tech. OU got an upset over West Virginia on Saturday. Those two teams played each other tonight, and Texas ends up beating Oklahoma at the buzzer by one after an OU guy misses um, a free throw, and Texas is stormed back and hit a three as time expired. So, a lot of these teams are still winning, and we haven't even gotten towards the the Pac-12 yet, as they will have their games later in the week. And there are plenty of games on Wednesday. So, and I mean, you look at teams that might have blown their chance. Um, You know, they still have an opportunity to to make that up. You look at Rhode Island, for example. First off, let's hold a moment of silence for the URI Rams, who thought they were a shoe-in for this NCAA tournament all season long. And we're laughing as the Friars were having all their bad losses. Um, and, you know, where it once looked like there'd be zero chance PC would make the tournament and a good chance Uri makes makes the tournament, now it's almost flipped. Where Uri ends up losing a game at home to St. Louis, um, a game where St. Louis just took it to them from start to finish, and... Um, I believe they won by like 10 at the Ryan Center on Sunday. That all of a sudden puts URI in a terrible spot. So quick, let's have a quick moment of silence for our URI ramps. Thank you yeah i actually wasn't being silent there i uh was grabbing my computer charger a little podcaster trick for you just throwing the moment of silence so you can charge your computer but um no the rams all of a sudden are in full panic mode but you look at the rams they have a chance to make up for it wednesday night they got that dating game that they've been talking about for so long um I believe Dayton's up to number three in the polls now. So a massive game uh, for URI, which could really, you know, erase the loss that they had to St. Louis. If They beat Dayton. I think they're theoretically back in the field and probably comfortably in the field just because, you know, I I wouldn't see them dropping uh, another game to a bad A-10 team. Not to say St. Louis is bad. I'm just saying... You know, if they get that win over Dayton, it, it would take a really bad loss in the A-10 tournament. Uh, although, I do believe they finish off with UMass. So, I mean, that would be a bad loss too. But um, if they were able to beat Dayton on Wednesday, they'd be back in it. Um, so, my whole point is that the bubble situation, it, it's a very fluid situation and it changes daily. So, you know, the Friars just can't sit on their laurels of what they did in February, having that massive uh, month, historic month, beating five ranked teams um, in a calendar month. Again, it's like the fifth time it's ever happened. So the Friars can't be resting easy just because they did that. They have to continue to win games and finish out the season strong. And, you know, that that starts Wednesday night as uh, the Xavier Musketeers will make the trip, the return trip, to the Dunganon Center. um, Tip-off at 6.30. Uh, Games on FS1. Um, You know, PC now at 17-12. and They're sitting in a much better situation, but um, they want to keep piling on the wins here. Like I said, 19 wins is, I I think, should be their benchmark. And to have to not worry about it in the Big East and, and finish off these two games at home... Um, and have whatever occurs in the bees just be icing on the cake and help your seating, I mean, that would be massive. So another huge game for the Friars here Wednesday. Um, obviously, we lost the first matchup against Xavier, uh, 64-58. I believe that was in the beginning of February. Um, and, you know, after the game, I tweeted that we'd beat these fucks at home. Uh, it was one of those games where PC was in it, tough road environment, Um, they were playing well for for a good stretch of that game, and then at the very end, just could not execute down the stretch and make enough hoops uh, to win the game, unlike what they were able to do at Villanova this past Saturday. So, you know, it was one of those games where I feel like if they play this team at the dunk, they should be able to get the win. Um, The Xavier team, man, they're a weird team. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, you know, you look at their resume, and it, it doesn't blow you away, even though they already have 19 wins. Um, you know, they started off 11-2 and two in a non-conference, but you look at who they beat, and I mean, they beat some solid teams, but nobody that really blows you out of the water. I mean, again, not to say that PC ha- had any sort of good non-conference schedule. I'm not going to... Screwcoat that Xavier clearly outplayed the fires in the non-conference, but you look at who they beat. They beat UConn, they beat Missouri, they beat TCU, um, and then also they beat their rival Cincinnati. But you look at those those four teams. I don't think any of those teams will make the NCAA tournament. So it's like eh, I don't know. Like how good was their non-conference in the grand scheme of things? I don't know um it, it's tough to measure and then you look at big east play right now they're eight and eight um I, i'm not sure where they are in terms of the standings um you know obviously they could catch pc if, if they win uh they close out their their last two games and pc were to lose there too they would have the tiebreaker um so i don't know how high they can ascend but i believe at this point they're, they're on that line of whether or not they have to play um, the opening night of the Big East Tournament, so, so the bottom four, so um, we'll see. It's a big game for them. Uh, I believe Xavier, or excuse me, Marquette actually lost to the poll tonight, so um, I'm not sure where, the, where that situation stands, but uh, Xavier obviously doesn't want to play in the opening night of the Big East Tournament. Well, I don't know. Now that I think about it, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, because um, you're playing, you know, a team like Georgetown, a team like St. John's, a team like DePaul in, in the first game, which wouldn't be a bad loss, but would it be a good enough win uh, for for your bubble hopes? I, I don't know. So I, I think it would be in Xavier's best interest to not play um, in the opening round of the Big East tournament. But you look at their conference schedule. They start Biggies play one and four, uh, then they go on, on a nice stretch of four and two ball, uh, and then you know you look at their last five games, they've gone three and two, um, so really a weird up and down season for Xavier. And if you look at their conference, they have eight conference wins, right? They've swept DePaul, Georgetown, and St. John's already. Their only other two biggest wins. Were that game against us at their place. And then they had a massive road win at Seton Hall, which is really helping out their resume big time, if you think about it. Um, so they haven't beaten, consistently at least, the best of the best in the conference. So, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, Xavier's a weird, weird team. Um, you know, in years past, they've relied on good guard play. Um And you had guys like Quentin Gooden and Paul Scruggs coming back for them. So you'd think, oh, that that won't be a problem this year. I mean, those guys are only going to get better. But kind of similar to to our Friars for a lot of part of the season, their guards have really struggled this year. So, um, you know, they're an interesting team. Uh, Some of the themes in terms of the game, I would say, one would be to try and match these guys in the glass. Um, they're a real physical team. Um, you know, in the first game, we end up getting out rebounded by them only by one, and we actually tied on the offensive glass. But Tyreek Jones was an absolute glass eater for the Musketeers in that one. He had 18 rebounds to go along with 14 points. Um, he's just a beast for them. He's, I believe, he leads or he's close to it, leading the country in double-doubles. He's the best rebounder in the Big East. Might be the best rebounder in the country. Um, Really good player. And I'll say this. I'm going to miss the battles between him and Nate Watson. Those two guys just go at it with each other. It's an absolute war in the post, and I love it. Um, It's crazy to think Tyreek Jones is already a senior. I feel like. He just, you know, it's weird. It's like, it feels like he's been there a while, but at the same time, it's like, oh, I feel like he's just starting to make his impact on on Xavier, and it's tough that he's a senior, and this might be his last go against us, but the battles with him and Nate Watson are awesome. Um, Nate Watson had a really good game in that Xavier game, and I, I think the fact that Tyreek Jones is there, and he's posting up Tyreek Jones, I, I think that gives... Nate, a little extra adrenaline rush in terms of uh, his aggressiveness on the offensive end. Um, So I'm really going to miss those battles. And fun fact about Tyreek Jones, he's actually from Connecticut. He's a local kid. I remember being at the game at the dunk uh, last year and sitting by his, uh, either it was his parents or, or close family members at the game. He had a pretty good crew going, so... Um, it's a shame that guy never was a friar, to be honest. I, I would love Tyree Jones on the Fryars. He's a big bruising big man uh, that, that just gobbles up the glass. Like I, I think Fryertown would love to have a guy like Tyree Jones up on our, on our team. but is what it is. I'll definitely take our duo of uh, off like bucket score in Nate Watson and then rotate that with the defensive minded, uh, better intangibles player in Califion. Um It's a it's a duo that's been working lately, so I'll certainly take it. But Tyreek Jones is a great player. I'm a big fan of his. Um, another thing I'd like to bring up in this game, which like is Naji Marshall good? And I ask that as like a rhetorical question because I mean obviously he's good. He leads Xavier in scoring. At six, uh, 16.5 per game, sixteen or 6.3 rebounds, and 3.9 assists. Um, he's a guy that can do it all. And believe me, Farquhar, I'm not trying to jinx Najee Marshall for him to just blow up on us uh, on Wednesday night. But, um, you know, he is a good player. I've watched a lot of Najee Marshall when, when they're not playing Providence. And, you know... In my book, he's a poor man's version of Diallo, but with a better jumper, if that makes any sense, which that actually might make him a better alpha than Diallo, if we're being honest, but uh, they're similar in terms of the fact that they're too uh, small and quick for guards, or for for, uh, forwards to guard, and then they're too big and strong for a guard to guard. Uh, They're really, both of them are really matchup nightmares. Um, but but I think Marshall has uh, a much better shooting stroke than Diallo. Um, but obviously I think Diallo is a way better, you know, player in terms of getting offensive rebounds, crashing the glass, um, scoring in traffic, and all that. Um, Thing about Naj Marshall though, and I, I'm sure Xavier fans are frustrated with this, is that sometimes he can disappear in games. And, I mean, like, let's give the guy a break. I mean, in in college hoops, it's it's hard to be dominant night in and night out. Um, And you're not always going to make an impact all the time. But I feel like there are games where he just disappears. And the reason why I asked this entire question is because he has been pretty pedestrian against the Friars over his career. Um, He's a junior. He's faced us. Six times this will be his seventh game against us. Um, I believe we played them three times in his freshman year. Um, you know when we got that massive win at MSG um, in the B semis that year. Um, but in six games against the Friars so far, he's only cracked double digits in scoring once. And this is their leading point scorer. Okay, like. This is a guy that, that can score, that's, again, scoring 16.5 points a game. He, he's definitely a bucket getter, but, like, for some reason, the Friars have just, he hasn't been able to figure out the Friars. Uh, that, that one game where he cracked double digits, he had 14 points. That was not a blowout win that they had last year uh, at the Cintas Center. Um, but, I mean, other than that, he's really been a non-factor. You look at the first game he played against us this year. Five points, three rebounds. Like, he really didn't have a good game. Um, So I think a key for the fires would be to keep that trend going. Um, Definitely want to not let Marshall get hot in this one. And Marshall was critical for um, Xavier to win on the road last Sunday at Georgetown. I I got to watch a good amount of that game. And while it looked like Xavier was going to comfortably win it, Um, Georgetown made a push at the end, even though they're undermanned. They're a really tough-nosed team, and it was Najee Marshall who got the biggest hoop of the game. Um, He drilled a three uh, within the final minute to to give Xavier the lead for good. So he's definitely a good player. I'm I'm not trying to jinx him or anything like that, but I think it will be key for the Friars to continue um, whatever it is they've been doing to slow him down because they've done a really good job of it. Um, then finally, when I look at this game, I really hope that the fires can get the the offense rolling again. Um, they're going to be at home, you know, last game against Nova, I was against playing that grinded out game. They did it. It worked. But I mean, they can't play like they did on offense and just rely on Pip bailing them out time and time again. Um, if they want to be successful in this tournament. And what's interesting is I think that's what makes the Friars a really tough team is that, you know, they can play a style where they can grind it out and just play good defense and um, try and outwork you and and use their length and uh, athleticism to their advantage um, and beat you in a low-scoring game. But then recently... The offense has shown that, that they can step it up too in getting rhythm. Um, you look at their numbers at the dunk in the last three games, they're averaging 77 points a game, which is astronomical for these Friars. Um, so I would hope that after a tough shooting game against Villanova, where they really had to grind out a victory. I would hope the offense can get, you know, they don't have to fully be like they were against Marquette, but. If if they can kind of get back to playing that that brand of basketball where not only are you good defensively but you're you're scoring in transition, you're finding open guys, you're knocking down open shots, uh, hitting threes, tacking the hoop, like the offense that we saw against Marquette, if they can somewhat replicate that, I'll be pretty happy. In my opinion, I mean, if they do that, they should be able to win the game because I just don't think. Xavier has enough weapons outside of Marshall to, to get in a high scoring game. Um, and I feel like if you want to grind this out against Xavier, it kind of plays into their hand. Although we're a good team in those type games, so are they. So like why why play into their hand? I, I would hope that the offense can get into a good rhythm in this one. And I feel like the offense, if you look at the Numbers that they've put up at home recently, I think it's because of the really good crowds that they've gotten at the dunk. Um, these guys definitely feed feed off the energy from the students, from the fans. Um, you can just tell they just have a pep in their step lately when when they play in front of an amp crowd at the dunk. Um, you know, I would hope that they they continue to let Pip go to work. Um, Pipkin's got to stay in that same mindset they've playing with lately. Uh, not just settling for threes, but expanding your game offensively, opening it up in terms of making drives to the hoop. Um, and then, hey, if he can do what he did in Marquette in terms of being a distributor as well and finding opening guys um, because he's starting to get a lot of attention, that will only mean good things for the Friars. So um, hopefully Pips, uh, Pipkins can continue to bring it because we definitely need him down the stretch here. Uh, he's going to be a critical part if the Friars really want to make this a special, special run. Um, that they currently. I mean, the run they're on right now is pretty remarkable, to say the least. But um, if they really want to make a stamp on this thing and, and turn this season around big time, they're going to need Pip. So hopefully Pip can continue to play well. Um, I feel like A.J. Reeves and, and or Alva Diallo are, are kind of due for a big game here. Um, you know, you look at Diallo, he's only had 12 points his last two games. Um, you know, two against Villanova, he was pretty bad in, in that one. Um, he had 10 points in the game before that, but I mean, he kind of got it late and, and it took him a while to get going. Um, and that was a game where we really took it to Marquette. So I I feel like he hasn't played great in the last, he really hasn't played great since he exploded for, thir- for a career high at 35. Against Seton Hall, but I feel like he's due. And then you look at AJ Reeves on the other hand, uh, uh, on the other side here. Um, you know, he's only cracked double digits twice in his last six games, and um, the game before that was his 22-point outburst against Creighton, where he was red-hot shooting um, at the dunk. So I feel like one of those guys is in for a bounce-back game, maybe even both of them, um, and that would be huge for the Friars. And another guy, Duke, I mean, for me, just keep doing what what you're doing. Um, But I I would love to see another David Duke, Fest like we saw in the Marquette game. I mean, I don't don't know about you, but that was pretty pretty awesome. Um, But we'll see what happens. You know, I I think this will be a competitive game. It will be a good game. Despite the early tip, I still think... Firetown is going to be rocking. Um, I know I, you know, worked it out with my manager to, to work earlier so I can leave earlier and get down there to Providence for the game. Um, so I'll be there. Hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get a roadside reaction for, for next week's pod two. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, I think this will be a competitive game, a good game. But ultimately, uh, I just feel like the fact that PC's at home, the fact that they've barely lost these guys the first time around. My prediction for this one would be PC 74, Xavier 68. Friars keep it rolling and uh, hopefully we'll get their 18th win of the season. So then after that, they'll finish it out um, against the Paul Saturday night, like I said earlier, again FS1, 630 tip. Uh, senior night, PC obviously has a lot of seniors um, on the squad. So, um, a, a big night to honor those guys. Again, I'm, I'm sure the dunk crowd will be rocking for that one. But I will say, and I shouldn't think this way at all, but for some reason in my twisted mind, I, I'm more nervous about this ga- about the DePaul game than I am the Sabre game. I don't know why. I know it's senior night, and Saturday night crowd Against a DePaul team that isn't really good. But for some reason that game just scares me. You look at Charlie Moore and Paul Reed. That's a really good one-two punch to have. Um, and luckily, DePaul got a win um, versus Mar- Marquette tonight. Otherwise, I feel like they'd be really chomping at the bit uh, on Saturday. But, I mean, let's not forget. We played this DePaul team. I believe they were 9-14. and Uh, uh, back in February of 2018. And the Friars were coming off a big road win at Marquette. And, you know, everyone thought we'd be able to just go in there and get the win on on a Saturday against a bad DePaul team. And yet DePaul walked in the dunk and just blew out the Friars in a terrible game where the Friars just didn't show up. So that game actually really scares me. Um, Obviously, Xavier 1 does too. In the sense that, you know, they're riding high now, and they may think that they're safely in the field, but they can't. They can't play that way uh, in these last two. They definitely can't, because, like I said, you, you look around the country; um, these other bubble teams aren't just going to lay down. Like, this is going to be a fight to the finish, and the fires really want to finish off strong here. But that's all I got for this week's episode. Uh, we will be back next week. Like I said, maybe we'll have a um, roadside reaction to the Xavier game. Um, Keep an eye out for the blog, providencecryer.wordpress.com. I might be doing a little preview for the DePaul game, senior night, all that sort of stuff. But um, if you're going to the game, enjoy it uh, and get ready for for next week as we'll be preparing for the Big East tournament. All right, have a good one. Go Friars.
1: Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, ay. Crossover, I might go to L.E.U Heard they sleeping on me, well let's take them back to school P.C., you know we on go, ayy Feel like A.J. Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, Fall down, bounce back like M.I.H.O, ayy I'm the alpha dog, D.I.L.O they was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. savage. Any team we bumping, so we gon' let them have it, yeah. They don't want no static, we at the top just like the addict. At I- this year we taking over my Madness Man, up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. Favorite Duke when I'm way above the hoop, eh. Crossover, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me while well, I take them back to school. Man, up in my city, I'm the truth.